Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope it's a payday for you. For you bi-weekly and weekly wage earners, perhaps today is the best of days. Hope that you guys have a chance to get out and go do something fun this weekend. We don't have any college football, I don't think. There may be some uh, lower-level football, but uh, no football for the first time in a long time. We've got plenty coming up, though. be a lot of fun. I want to share a couple things with you personally before I get into today's show. So 30 years ago today, I woke up and uh, was getting dressed to go to work. And on my way to work, Lamar County Sheriff's deputies pulled me and my drummer, Shelby Stogner, over. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on the ground and got a gun in the back of my head and um, I was on my way to, uh, to jail. And I uh, had an opportunity to uh, visit quite extensively with Lamar County Sheriff's Department and detectives and uh, ultimately uh, went to the RID program, went to drug rehab before I went. And uh, so I share that with you guys too, because I believe in transparency. There are some people that love me that wish I wasn't quite so transparent. You know, it's like, well, you know, do we have to keep talking about this? Well, yeah, we do, because it keeps me alive and it keeps me sane. And there are many people out there that struggle with addiction. And so I do my best to be a beacon of experience, strength, and hope to share some light in the world. I think there are a lot of people, too, that get sober and sometimes forget what it's like to be unsober. And so I haven't forgotten those feelings. I remember the fear and the trepidation, the anxiety that goes along with that because you wonder. It's like, you know, is my life over? There were so many people in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi, you know, because you know how it is in small towns. Like, I got charged with a handful of stuff. I got charged with a lot of stuff I wasn't even guilty of. Of course, it didn't hold up. But the reality of it is, is there was a lot of people that had me basically indicted for everything short of the Kennedy assassination. And I guess if I'd been living, they'd have tried to rope me into that too. But because of the fact there were so many rumors out there, there were people like, well, he must have narked in order to get such a good deal. Yeah, you know, I think when it was all said and done, you know, they, were, they were talking about as many as 20 different charges. I was guilty of about six. Pled guilty for four. But I own it. It's who I was. It's not who I am, but it is who I was. And there are some people, even to this day, they want to hold that against me. And you know what? That is a you problem, not a me problem. There's a difference. I've addressed my issues. I've paid my debt to society. I've done my best to do good with my life ever since. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not immune from making mistakes. I do. I do. I still continue to make some mistakes. I still have a lot of character defects, but I continue to work on them. But I want to share with you a couple things that I have learned in 30 years of recovery. No drink, no drugs in 30 years. And so here are a couple things that I would share that I think earth people don't fully appreciate. If, you, if you've never been an addict, I don't know that you can speak intelligently about addiction. There are a lot of people that go to school and, and they kind of get clinical knowledge, but I lived it. I lived it, and I continue to live it, and I continue to deal with other people who are in the throes of addiction. And so I share this with you in hopes, perhaps, of helping remove some of the stigma about addiction. There are a lot of people that see this as a morality issue. It's not. It's not a morality issue. It's not a situation of bad people trying to become good. It's about sick people trying to get well. And I think there is an important distinction in every bit of that. 
And so I share that with you because I want people to understand this. There are a lot of people out there that contact me at least twice a week. I get a message or a phone call or a lunch or something like that from somebody who knows someone that is really struggling. I had lunch earlier this week with a local clergyman who had lost a longtime friend to heroin addiction. And this is somebody at times that worked in recovery. Because the wolf is always at the door. Always. I know this. And I don't have to go out and experience it myself. I can put some faith in other people's experiences and kind of understand, you know what, this is not what I need to do. But so many people say, you know, Steve, if we could just get them to stop drinking and using. So here's the deal. If that's all we do, then we have failed. Because nobody ever aspires to be a drug addict. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what, hey, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'll go be a drug addict. I think I'll go pawn all my stuff and rip off all my friends and live a life beneath my moral compass because that seems like a lot of fun. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what, that's the way to go. But here's what happens. There is always an underlying issue. Always. There is a crisis in every addict's life, real or imagined, that basically has broken their ability to care. There is a point that you push across the threshold of safety, and you begin to think, my life is not valuable. And when you don't value your life, it is difficult for other people to do so. Now, I was one of those people that crossed that threshold, and I didn't care anymore. I simply didn't care what happened to me. And death almost felt welcome. It's like, you know what, if this happens to me, then I don't have to deal with all this pain. Because I was so far away from where I needed to be that any step I took was in the right direction. That's not hyperbole. That's not just something cute that I heard. That is the reality of the life that I once led. And so I share that with you because I think it's understanding. It's an understanding that people need to have is that if, if we don't address the underlying issue, then people are absolutely damned to drink and use again. Because if all we do is take away their medicine, we haven't truly treated the sickness. And there is a lot of sickness. There are a lot of people that have very serious trauma in their lives, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And in some cases, it's all four. And so when we get them to stop drinking and using, there are certain steps we have to take. Many people require professional help. There are others that I have a great amount of respect for that can just kind of do it by going to AA or NA. They get a sponsor, they work the steps, and next thing you know, they're doing great. The second thing I want you to know, and probably the most important, is the pathology of relapse is identical. Every person that I have ever spoken to that has relapsed or was on their way to a relapse, there are some significant things that are similar in their story. The first thing that I will say is that you know, I always hear this, well, you know, AA didn't work for me. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Did you go to meetings? No. Did you get a sponsor? No. Did you work the steps? No. So it's not that AA didn't work for you. It's that you didn't work for you. You didn't work for AA. I was one of those people, too. I was one of those unfortunates that uh, my first sponsor was a guy that I absolutely despised, to be honest with you. And I picked him to be my sponsor because I knew that he would hold me accountable. 
And basically, I, he told me, he said, you know, Steve, you're too smart to get sober because you're going to try to find the easier, softer way. You're not going to do what people ask you to do. And I've always been that kind of person. If you tell me to do something, I am not going to do it. Even to this day, I struggle with that. If people say, oh, you have to do this. Oh, yeah, well, the only thing I got to do is die and stink. So, no, I'm not going to do it. And the more you tell me I have to do it, the less likely I am to do so. But I, I really thought, you know, if I went out and memorized the 12 steps, they might just let me leave. No, he's so smart, he's got it figured out. Let's let him go. But AA and sobriety is the only thing I couldn't cheat. The only thing. There have been other times in life where I could get by by being a little bit smarter than maybe the average bear. Maybe I could cut a corner or two. Maybe I could find an easier, softer way. Maybe I could find a shortcut. There is no shortcut to sobriety. You're not going to reinvent the mousetrap I've tried. You're not going to do it. I don't care. You may be as smart as me or smarter than me. You are not going to reinvent the mousetrap. It's as simple as that. And so I share that with you because it is important to understand. There are a lot of people that run to rehab every time they have some anxiety in life. And it's basically a vacation. And it's basically a tool of manipulation. Well, I'm going to go do this so everybody else knows. I'm, well, you know, he or she's working on it. They're back in treatment. You know, there's only so much treatment you need. And once you get detoxed, you just got to get to work. It's as simple as that. You got to go work for yourself. I wanted better for myself, so I worked hard and I made a better life for myself. That is as bluntly as I can put it. A lot of people ask me, Steve, what's the key to sobriety? And there are many. I think the first thing is don't do stupid things. Don't do stupid things. Don't put yourself at risk. Don't live a life outside of your value system. And if your value system is taking you places you shouldn't be, you probably need to change your value system. But don't do stupid things. Now, when I was in the throes of addiction, I, did, I really couldn't identify what was stupid and what wasn't. I remember laying in my bed one night. I was living off Wethersby Road there in Hattiesburg. And I drank a couple bottles of Robitussin. I'd taken what I thought were pain pills. It turns out that I had stole some pills out of somebody's medicine cabinet. They were actually heart pills. Big difference. So instead of just kind of relaxing and going on to sleep, my heart's beating out of my chest. And I thought I was going to die right there in my apartment. Because I was too proud to go to the ER because I didn't want people to know that I was a drug addict. I didn't want to go because then all of a sudden there's a phone call that's got to take place and somebody's got to call and say, hey, what, what, what's he in there for? Well, you know, we had to pump his stomach. He took all these pills. Well, where did he get the pills from? Well, then I got to explain all that stuff. You know, if I was in your, ever in your house back in 1991, good chance I went through your medicine cabinet, just being honest. But that's not who I am these days. And so I never forget that. There are some people that do, and it just really doesn't matter that they remember. It's important that I remember. But I am 100% a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. I am not ashamed of that. I do not run from that. The big book tells us that we no longer regret the past or choose to close the door on it. That's where I am. But I can promise you this. There are promises in the book of AA, the big book as we call it. There are promises. And I can share with you unequivocally that every one of those promises has come true in my life. And I truly believe that the best is yet to come. You say, man, Steve, 30 is a long time. It is. You know, if they tell you you're going to prison for 30 years, it feels like a death sentence. You find out somebody's been married 30 years, you think, hey, they grew up married. 
30 years is a long time. And I'll be honest with you, I have earned this year. I've earned every day. But this year's been a difficult year. It has been. I still have a lot of problems. And one of the things that I'll share with you before we move on is that the worst things that happened in my life happened after I got sober. You can say, well, Steve, how can you say that? When you went to rehab, you went to jail. That's right. The worst things that happened, even beyond that, happened after I got sober. The difference is I didn't go get drunk or loaded over it. I just didn't do it. I learned a new way to live. So if you have questions, if you have a need, if you or somebody struggling with addiction, you reach out to me. You can do it privately. Anonymity guaranteed. Because I was never anonymous, just so you guys know. I was never anonymous. You know, I come from small town Mississippi, right? And so as soon as I went into treatment, our, my family couldn't wait to tell everybody, oh, yeah, he's in rehab. He's, he's getting, getting fixed. He's doing better. So I've never been anonymous. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, pretend that I was this person that, um, that I wasn't. But it's made me who I am today. I love who I am today. I love the life that I have today, and I owe a debt of gratitude to many of you for the quality of my life. But the reality of it is, is if I lost it all tomorrow, I know that I could build it back. And I wouldn't go get drunk or loaded over it either. I would just live one day at a time and get the most out of every single 24 hours I possibly could. That's what I would do. That's all any of us can do. So thanks so much for all your messages. I've had so many people that have reached out and said, hey, Steve, congratulations on 30 years. And I, yes, I am very proud. I am very proud. I have earned this one day at a time. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, man. And I love those people, too. I do. They're great people. They provide a great product at a great price and a great environment. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And, of course, the brand new in Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by, check them out today. Get the spring rolls for your appetizer. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And we all need more of that. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. So many great ones to choose from. If you just want the good straight-ahead rock and roll, good American hamburger, get the Bulldog. You'll be satisfied with that. But if you're like me and you want to walk on the wild side just a little bit, maybe get the pimentology at bacon, maybe get the mission with the pico de gallo on the side so you can kind of control your onion intake, and then get that chocolate shake to go. Get the full experience. You'll be glad you did. They also have a really cool dessert, the Shipley Donuts Bread Pudding. It is absolutely outstanding. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, it is the final big official visit weekend before National Signing Day. It'll be here Wednesday and not a day too soon, man. It, it has been an eventful week over on the Jeans Page message boards. If you're not a member of Jeans Page, you darn well should be. We open up the week with Jaheim Otis not coming on his visit as originally scheduled. He goes to Ole Miss, and then all of a sudden it's like Ole Miss has all this juice, and there was a discussion that Trevion Williams may visit there this weekend, that Carlos Nicholson may visit there, and it's like we're not going to get anybody, guys. Let's bulldoze the stadium and close the program. It's funny how life works. You give yourself a day or two, things come back into focus. Take a breath. All right, so let's take a look at our visitors this weekend. And it is still kind of a fluid thing. You know, it's one of those things where until they show up, you don't really know. Because everybody, it's the last weekend for everybody. So there are people that are like grinding it out, saying, oh, don't go there. Come here, come here, come here. And so you lose some guys. So Xavion Thomas, who is a wide receiver out of John Eric High School in Marrero, Louisiana. Mike Leach was in the home earlier this week. 
so he went and saw Xavier and uh, went and saw Javay Gilmore, the linebacker uh, commitment. And then um, there was somebody else down there in South Louisiana, too, we went and saw. But um, but Xavier Thomas is the guy. We've been watching this new LSU staff on him a little bit, you know, because what happens? Does LSU come in here late with Brian Kelly, perhaps? Do they have a different evaluation? You know, Frank Wilson, former LSU and Ole Miss coach, is back at LSU. And so Frank is the guy they used to call the godfather of New Orleans because he could get things done. He was the guy that knew everybody in New Orleans. He coached at the former O. Perry Walker High School that is now con- you know, combined with Landry. You know, it's Landry Walker High School. But you know, Frank's a guy that knows to lay the land down there. And so Xavier Thomas is right there in his sweet spot. But so far, no, nothing has happened. As of last night, Xavier Thomas still expected to visit Mississippi State this weekend. I was told by an LSU source they don't expect LSU to go back on Xavier Thomas, which would be big. He's one of the more recent commitments from Mississippi State. We have always, and maybe it's Malik Neighbors' recall. You know, we kind of sweating that thing out last year. We lose him on National Signing Day to LSU. And so it's not over, as they say, until you know the paperwork is signed. But we feel good about where we stand with him now. Again, he is committed to Mississippi State, and as of now, it doesn't appear that LSU has done much with him. Of course, they could come in Monday and offer him and say, hey, listen, we want to take you. You can take your official visit in January because you don't have to visit to sign. A lot of people ask me that question. You don't have to take a visit to sign. You know, we had guys in the past that um, were not able to take visits during the fall because they hadn't taken the ACT. And so they would sign in February – and then take their visit in the spring and usually around Super Bulldog weekend. So, again, you can sign without visiting. So there's nothing to protect Mississippi State in that respect. I'm not trying to make you feel uneasy. We feel like he's going to be a Bulldog. But we're also not completely oblivious to the fact that LSU is still lurking out there. Defensive back and Mississippi State commitment, Wesley Miller of Heritage Academy. He'll be in this weekend, too. He is a guy, too, to be honest with you, and shame on all of us. I think sometimes we forget – what a good get he was when we got him. So let's kind of take a uh, trip down memory lane here. Wesley Miller, of course, from Heritage. Very, very popular over there. So Wesley Miller, let me run down this offer list for you, too. You know, there was some talk back then that, that Ole Miss had momentum with him. Uh, and the fact that Ole Miss would ever have momentum with a kid in the Golden Triangle is a problem for us. It wasn't true. That's they were reporting. But... He had offers from Mississippi State, Florida State, Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Memphis, Miami, Michigan State, Minnesota, NC State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Wake Forest, among others. And so we forget because of the fact that he committed so early. It's like if he, that, that guy commits this week, everybody is beside themselves with glee. But a lot of times what happens is when guys commit early, and it's good for them to kind of get the process behind them, but they lose their hype. Like, oh, my goodness, you know, if we had a guy with all these Power 5 offers choosing us late, we would feel like that we had won signing day. We may win it anyway. But Wesley Miller is an outstanding prospect and a guy that we expect to come in here and play safety. Pretty fleet of foot. There was some discussion last year. I was I was probably the first one that raised the issue. I was a little bit worried about his foot speed. And then um, he began to put up some better times. His senior film, I think, is even better than his junior film be a great addition. Uh, His family, very, very, very 
big on education. And that was a big part of his decision. A chance to play in the SEC and get a great education right here close to home so friends and family can share in the experience. Uh, so, again, not expecting any drama with him. All right, Mamou Ben-Wahid of Grayson, Georgia, currently committed to West Virginia. We heard yesterday he may not visit. Now, today, we're, we're told he is, that he is going to visit Mississippi State. And, again, that's another defensive back. And, uh, you know, listen, we're still working. You know, that's the thing a lot of times, too, if there is a setback, that's where I give this, this staff a lot of credit. They are able to kind of roll with the punches a little bit better than maybe some people in the past that have been here at Mississippi State. There's always a, quote, backup plan. And I don't know that even you would consider it a backup plan. Uh, but Mamu Ben-Wahid is a corner prospect, uh, comes in at six foot, 180 pounds, has over 30 offers. How about that? How about that? Been committed to West Virginia since June. Took his official visit there back in June, on June 4th, and then Georgia Tech there on uh, June 11th, and then elects to commit to West Virginia. And it has been relatively quiet until the contact period opened up. So State will bring him in. He Again, he's out of Loganville, Georgia, Grayson High School out there. That, that name should be familiar. Grayson routinely produces major college prospects. But a chance to play in a Southeastern Conference reasonably close to home, that makes Mississippi State kind of an intriguing uh, opportunity. He has some other offers from the SEC, of course, uh, Arkansas uh, being one, and then you know, Mississippi State, South Carolina, uh, and a few others. You know, Alabama showed some interest, didn't offer. But again, over 30 offers. So this is a guy that is absolutely highly coveted and would be a great addition. Have no clue at this point if he's serious about flipping from West Virginia. I think most people would say, I'd rather be here in the wintertime than there. They may beat us in the summer. But the reality of it is, is you, you get them on campus, you always have a shot. You just got to get them here. So we'll see how things progress there. Jordan Bailey of Hillsborough, Florida. This is another big-time guy. He's a running back, formerly committed to Pitt. He will be here. Mike Leach was in the home earlier this week, kind of affirming the visit. He will be here. And you say, well, Steve, I thought we weren't going to take but one running back in the class. Well, that's true. But you got Dakota, and then Dakota's a guy. What happens if Dakota signs a pro baseball contract this summer? And then all of a sudden, you're short a running back. So you take another one if you can get him. And then, of course, if Dakota doesn't sign a pro baseball contract, or if he decides to go to school anyway and then play pro baseball, he can still play college football. Well, then you sign him in fall camp, and that scholarship grant would count forward. And you may have one or two left over anyway. So it, the safe play here is to go get another back. And Jordan Bailey is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. That would be a great late get for Mississippi State. And we were expecting uh, Moses Alexander of Kilgore Junior College. He is not going to make the trip. However, junior college cornerback DeCarlos Nicholson affirms last night that he will be at Mississippi State this weekend. There was a lot of discussion about him visiting Ole Miss. They tried to get him to Ole Miss last weekend. He elected to stay home. Kentucky was hoping to get him back up there on an unofficial visit, kind of a tough thing to do to get from Petal Lexington, Kentucky, uh, on your own dime, and then turn right back around you know, a day later and come back and be ready for school. And it's finals week at Perk, right? So it just wasn't very practical. So he elects to stay home, study, take care of things, so that leaves him one weekend. So, of course, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both kind of jockeying for position to get him in. 
Now, the Carlos had said about 10 days ago that he was down to two schools, Kentucky and Mississippi State, and that Ole Miss, of course, tried to jump back in there. Florida State's Mike Norvell was in there Monday night, and then Auburn has been in touch a little bit too. So there are still some options. And again, you don't have to visit to sign. So he could visit us and then certainly sign somewhere else. But he is expected to be here this weekend, uh, along with good friend and teammate Percy Lewis of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Now, Percy, also a Mississippi guy, uh, from McAdams, you know, down there around Kosciuszko. And so Percy is arguably the most important offensive recruit left on the board. It's incredible to think about that because we're losing both tackles. So this is a guy we would expect to come in in January, work hard, uh, get in SEC football shape, and then man down one of those tackle spots departed by Charles Cross uh, and Scott Lashley. So he has an opportunity here. Ole Miss situation is a little bit different on the 2D. That's not to say that he couldn't play guard, but if he wants to play tackle, the better opportunity is going to be here. Now, he has a lot of Mississippi State people in his mother's side of the family. He does. And I'm told that he is actually cousins with Victoria Vivians. So there are some positives. We will see how things progress, but uh, probably going to be a signing day announcement for him. Not exactly sure when uh, maybe he notifies the staffs, but uh, the reality of it is this is a very, 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 very important visit. He visited Ole Miss last weekend. It is down between State and Ole Miss. He is a former Oregon commitment. There have been several other SEC schools that have offered and tried to get him in for a visit, but at the end of the day, family wants him closer to home, and I think that's what he wants as well. So, again, that'll be a state Ole Miss battle. If I had to call it today, even before the visit, I think it's Mississippi State. Linebacker Avery Sledge of Forest County A. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, FCAHS was not very good this year. 
They weren't. But Avery was outstanding. He actually played quarterback, kind of like Bernardrick McKinney in that respect. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be as good as BMAC. But that's how athletic he is. Played quarterback and linebacker. Was more of a running quarterback. I think he probably completed maybe 35% of his passes. And some of that's on the receivers too. But he's not a quarterback. He's an athlete playing quarterback. But ran for well over 800 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. And was just basically everywhere on defense. This Mississippi State linebacker class opened up expecting to have two, maybe three. Now it looks like it'll be three, probably four, which opens up an opportunity for Avery Sledge because, of course, Aaron Brule leaves, and he recently announced that he'll be enrolling at Michigan State. Wish him the best. And then, of course, Rodney Gross leaves, and he's headed to Arizona State. So you enter the year thinking, okay, we'll take two. You have two leave. We have to replace those numbers. And so that opens the door, obviously, to take Stone Blanton. Not that we wouldn't have taken him otherwise. That's the two, maybe three. I think initially you're thinking the two are Stone Blanton and Khalid Moore. And then you get Javay Gilmore to go with that. Well, you make room when you get three quality backers like that. Another spot opens up. You go get a best available guy from your home state, and that's Avery Sledge. I do expect him to commit this weekend. Not sure when he announces. Defensive lineman Calvin Dinkins of Lake High School. This is your replacement for Jaheim Otis. And we're not going to sit here and say that we ever fully expected to get him. Things were trending very positively for Mississippi State. And then things took a left turn. Looks like he's down to Ole Miss in Alabama. Now, but Calvin Dinkins, a very good player, draws a lot of com- uh, comparisons to Cam Young. Cam Young, of course, was, uh, you know, from Franklin County down there. And I guess he's from Crosby. But the reality of it is this is the, the typical Mississippi State defensive tackle progression. You take a big, hardworking kid with a strong work ethic, you put him in your weight room, you teach him how to play you want, and then all of a sudden you got Cam Young, who's the NFL prospect next year. Calvin Dinkins cut from the same cloth. Now what's interesting, too, is he had mostly G5 offers, and all of a sudden Baylor gets involved with him. Well, then Mississippi State offers him, and then yesterday Florida offers him. The new staff at Florida, of course, trying to get him to you know, delay his decision and extend the process. If he signs in December, I don't think there's any question it'll be Mississippi State. If he doesn't commit or sign this week, then you've got a battle on your hands. I don't think he ends up going to Florida. You got a kid, you know, you know, basically from you know small town Mississippi. That's not to say that you know Florida's not a great program. They didn't have a good season, but that's a great program. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there, there are a lot of young men in Mississippi, and I was one of them growing up. Anything beyond Jackson felt like a foreign country. It really did. And so the thought of being that far away from home sometimes is a little bit intimidating. So I don't know what's in the mind of young Calvin Dinkins right now, but I know prior to the Florida offer, he was leaning to Mississippi State in a major way. Hopefully the Bulldogs can get him locked in this weekend and we can add his signature to the class on Wednesday. Now, Chris Bell of Greenville Christian, he is a guy that we have been covering throughout this process. We think a lot of Chris Bell. We always have. Thought Mississippi State should have offered early on. We didn't, and it might cost us. We've come back on him late, and we're kind of playing catch-up. He was supposed to visit Mississippi State this weekend. As I said on the Jeans Page message boards Wednesday, is that there was a possibility that he may not visit, that it was between Louisville and Mississippi State this weekend. Well, as of last night, I'm told he's headed to Louisville. But they said we won't know for sure until Friday gets here. 
Kid wanted to be here. Family felt like that Louisville had been in the race a little bit longer and recruited him longer and made him feel like more of a priority. So they were leaning to go to Louisville. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what I like Chris Bell. I do. I've always liked him. A lot of people wondered about, you know, his size. Is he going to be too big to play the position? Will he grow into a flex tight end? Because we don't really play tight ends here. But Chris Bell, an outstanding athlete, had a tremendous year at Greenville Christian. We also thought that uh, there were a couple other guys that we were expecting to visit that have, uh, have changed their plans. And, again, that happens here late. Trevion Longmire is a guy that State was on here a couple days ago and looks like he's headed to Purdue this weekend. So the good thing about that one, though, is that he is not planning to sign in December. So if he prolongs the process, perhaps we can get him in for a visit in January, maybe swing him. He is out of Corbin, Kentucky. But I would say – 10 visitors. You say, well, Steve, you just named 10 names, and you said one's going to Louisville, and uh, one's just not coming. That's Moses Alexander. Well, I'm still going to say it's going to be around 10 because there is some discussion that there may be a couple visitors that we haven't made public yet. Now, let me just tell you this. I know who they are. And because some of these situations are very sensitive, and you say, well, Steve, how could it be sensitive? Well, it means that they're either heavily recruited by or committed to other programs, and perhaps if you're not going to take them, you don't want to put them at risk, right? So we'll see how things progress. And once we get updates that maybe these guys are on campus, and there may be one in particular that we don't put out until maybe even signing day, and that's for the protection of the kid and the family, right? And we had let me put that in perspective for you guys. So we had some guys that came to camp this summer they were committed to other programs mainly some g5 type stuff and of course uh you know kamari rogers came to a SummerSlam event when he's committed to miami i don't know why that we had to be so secretive about that but we were but we had some guys that came like they were let's say they were committed to southern miss or memphis or somewhere like that and it's like hey the reality of it is is if they get a chance to go play at state or all miss they're gonna take it and maybe they're happy with what they have, and you can say, well, they had a reservation. They weren't truly committed. You know, that's probably true, too. I'm committed to this school, but if I get a chance to play in the SEC, I'm going to take that. And so they come to our camp, and we don't want to put them at a disadvantage. And I understand, listen, I get it. You know, there are consequences for your actions and that sort of stuff. I fully appreciate all that. But the reality of it is sometimes, you know, you got to give kids a chance. And I had a couple of kids come up and said, hey, Mr. Steve, hey, good to see you, but please don't report that I'm here because they snuck off to go to camp in Mississippi State. And then, of course, Mississippi State didn't offer them, and so there was really no need into putting the young man and his family into a bad situation with their school. And he's trying to improve his lot in life, and then it didn't work out. So now he can go home and nobody's none the wiser. You say, well, Steve, you should just report the facts. Well, see, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just you're, you're protecting somebody from a far worse evil, right? Because what if we put out that the Southern Miss commitment came to visit and um, all of a sudden Southern just drops a kid and then he has to end up going to school, I don't know, Texas, El Paso or something. You know, I just think that's the better part of, of the, the situation. You just kind of let it go. And you come back, circle back to it later if you need to. But uh, that's your weekend visit. A little bit later in the show, we're going to get into some more recruiting and talk about you know, maybe who I think will add. Of course, Mississippi State added a commitment earlier today with offensive lineman Jackson LeHue. 
not unexpected by any stretch. So happy to have him as part of the team. Good way to get Maroon Friday kicked off, adding a big, a big ugly on the, on the offensive line, on the football class. It's great stuff. Time for today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. I was remiss last time. I didn't mention to you guys that Blair is going to pay for your appraisal. If you're looking to refinance your home, buy a home, get a second mortgage, anything to do with a home loan, whether it be a home equity loan or whatever, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's up to a $500 value. So I didn't miss it last time on purpose. I just missed it. Blair is a longtime friend of mine. Love the guy to death. He'll do a good job for you. It pays to have friends in the industry, right? There are a lot of things that I'm experts at. I mean, truthfully, there are a lot of things that I know a lot about. And I was in the mortgage industry for about a year of my life. It is a very, very difficult industry. And so it's nice to have somebody that is familiar with the process that can help you navigate through it without any major issues. Blair's in the top 1% close ratio in the nation. That's not just with his organization. That's nationally. He works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the top five mortgage lenders in the United States. So it's not some fly-by-night subprime lender. He believes in doing business with Bulldogs, so if you will let him know, text him or call him and let him know, hey, I heard about you on the boneyard. What is this about my free appraisal? Blair can take care of that for you. Let me give you his personal cell number. That's right, personal cell number, not an office phone. You're not going to talk to a receptionist. You're going directly to Blair. 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. All right, let's get to the top 10. Again, that's closewithblair.com. If, if you don't do phones, go to closewithblair.com on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet. All right, so today's top 10 list, I was listening to this guy recently, and I said, you know, I've had a song of his on the show before, but we haven't done a full top 10 list. So we're doing it, and it's my favorite male candidate from American Idol, or contestant, candidate, contestant, whatever. It's Chris Daughtry. He was America's favorite male contestant for years and years and years. And I remember back in the MySpace days, you know, when you could put your song up there, like everywhere I went, like on French pages, everybody had a Chris Daughtry song on there because everybody was so proud of Chris Daughtry. It was like, here's this regular guy working at an auto parts place, uh, raising somebody else's kid. And then he's got this incredible voice. And he should have won American Idol. He didn't. He should have, but he didn't. But he, if I'm not mistaken, he has sold more records than any male contestant in the history of the show. I know Ruben Stoddard had a good run, too. uh, But I believe that Chris has surpassed him and Clay Aiken. I believe that's correct. Now, of course, uh, there have been some females like Kelly Clarkson, of course, that uh, have done really good, to say the least. That show's still pretty cool. Okay, so here's the deal. I guess it's what you do the voice now. I guess American Idol's back too. I don't watch as much network TV as I used to. So we're going to do Daughtry. I got a few honorable mentions to throw at you too. It's Deep End, All These Lives, and World on Fire. And uh, Chris and uh, his wife recently lost a child unexpectedly. She's a little bit older. Uh, it's Chris's daughter that passed away. So our, our thoughts and prayers are with Chris and his family. Okay, number 10, it's September. And I think this is one of Chris's better vocal performances. I don't think lyrically it's one of the best songs. It is really good. Chris is really good in the relationship rock, right? I mean, most of his songs are about breaking up, getting together, staying together. And this is one of them. 
Number nine, and this is one about, uh, you know, small town girl kind of down on her luck, and she's had uh, no luck at love. It's Waiting for Superman, which was a big hit, too. And it's like a lot of people get through that first couple of albums from Chris, and they think, okay, well, he's gone. He's not. Chris is still playing arenas. Uh, number eight, and this is a song that was not a single, but this is the song that's been on the show before. It was on our Slash list. And it's what I want. And it is an absolute banger of a song. Don't listen to this when you're driving unless you have the cruise control set. Because you're going to speed. And rightfully so. This is one of those songs that makes you you glad to be alive. It's killer, man. It absolutely is. Number seven, one of the more recent hits for Chris Daughtry is Heavy is the Crown. And that's the thing when you can really sing as Chris Daughtry can, you never truly go away. There are a lot of people that had great pop careers that, that couldn't write a lick of music that, you know, packed out arenas and did Vegas residencies just because they're so gifted vocally. And I, I think Chris, maybe it's not at that level, but Chris is a guy too because he has the ability to sing and to elicit emotion from his listeners that he's got some staying power. Uh, number six, another great one, it's Crawling Back to You. You know, it's like I went out there and I tried to figure it out. And uh, didn't realize the grass wasn't greener on the other side, so I'm, I'm crawling back to you. It's a great one. Number five, and I think, honestly, I believe that the top five, I think we would all probably agree that these are the best five songs. Maybe we don't agree on the order. But number five is Over You. We've all been there too, right? That moment you wake up, you say, you know what, I don't even miss her or him. I don't. I'm moved on. I'm a better person. I've closed that part of my heart, and I'm done taking it back. I'm over you. Um, Number four, what about now? What about today? You know, it's like, I'm in love with you, but it's like, we're going to give this thing a shot or not. What are we going to do? It's like all that. Well, it's never the right time. Well, what about now? It's a good song. really is. So number three, and this is an absolute banger too. And uh, it's no surprise. It's about leaving. You know, it's like I've I've practiced this for hours, gone round and round. I'm not taking the easy way out. It's it's the breakup song. And it's no surprise I won't be here tomorrow. Can't believe I've stayed till today. You and and I'll be a tough act to follow. It's a a great song. And it's it's so relevant and timely for anybody that's had that moment. It's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm absolutely done with you. And I'm moving on. Not even going to be bitter about it. It's over. I could be an adult about it, and it's really no surprise. Number two, this was a mega hit for Chris. A lot of people thought, well, maybe he'll be a one-hit wonder. But when you, if you bought that first album, you knew that Chris Daughtry was legit. There are a lot of times with these American Idol contestants, they have one or two singles, and then it's just a bunch of filler. You know, it's just a bunch of off-the-cutting-floor crap that some other major artist didn't use, and so they throw it on these people. You know, Chris Daughtry writes most of his own music, he and his band. But it's home. I'm coming home. I'm going home. You know, it is, again, it's a, it's a relationship-type song, but it's one of those things. It's like, you know, I'm out. I'm living my dream. I'm having a lot of fun. Things are great. But I'm going home. I love it, man. I do. And uh, my oldest, Ani, could play and sing this on guitar. He used to love sitting and listening to that. But number one, it's the one that started it all. And even to this day, when I turned it on, I get excited. You think, Steve, listen to Daughtry? Yes, I do. Yes, 
I, you're lucky I don't have a shirt. And when, when, if I ever get a chance to go see him live, I'm going. Chris Daughtry is electric, man. Maybe not as heavy as some of the other bands that I like, but Chris Daughtry is an incredibly talented individual. Do you remember when he sang um, Hemorrhage by Fuel on the show? And he did such a great job that Fuel, who was on hiatus with Brent Scallions, their original singer, that they offered the job to Chris Daughtry. Like, hey, Chris, let's do it. Because he absolutely killed Fuel's hemorrhage on the show. It was incredible. And, like, uh, people wanted American Idol to release it as a single. And so Fuel's like, hey, let's do it. Let's offer him the job. He didn't take it. He elected to go solo, put his own band together. But it all started with It's Not Over. And I don't guess it really is. But, again, this is one of those where we've had some tough times, but it's not over. Not giving up on us, not giving up on you. But it's a rock song at its core, and I just love the way the vocals open on this. And there are some people that say, oh, you know, Steve is American Idol. Dude, Chris Daughtry rocks. He does. Does he rock like Guns N' Roses? No, he doesn't. Does he rock like Bon Jovi? Yeah, probably so. So it is radio rock, and it's relationship rock. But it's great rock music, and I'm glad that Chris is still performing. We can't even remember most of the contestants on American Idol's, uh, you know, catalog of artists of course carrie underwood is who i was trying to remember earlier the most successful american idol contestant of all time and rightfully so very commercial look a huge commercial voice incredible so we're very grateful i mean there are a lot of these people that were just kind of run-of-the-mill people kind of average people you know playing dive bars and things like that next thing you know they're on a national stage and they become a national recording artist and then here is chris daughtry all these years later still performing Pretty incredible, if you ask me. And again, you know, people don't stay if you don't sell records. You just don't. You don't. And um, you know, Chris originally from McLeansville, North Carolina. How interesting is that? Did you did you expect that? So here's what's interesting too about Daughtry. They started in 06. It's 15 years later. 15. Going back and looking at the discography here, too, it's like, it'd say, well, you know, it's like, you know, one or two things, whatever. No, no, it's not. This is, you know, these are, you had the solo album, the, the self-titled album, Daughtry, and then you had Leave This Town that came out in 09, two years later, Break the Spell, baptized in 2013, A Cage to Rattle, which is what Deep End is off, 18, and then Dirty Beloved came out this year. So it's been a few years since we've heard from Chris, but the reality of it is, is Chris is back. And so if you were a Chris Daughtry back, fan back in the day, give the new album a listen. What's interesting, too, we go back and look, American Music Awards in 07, New Artist of the Year, Adult Contemporary Artist of the Year, and then Favorite Pop Rock Album of the Year, won them all. Came back the next year, American Music Awards, Favorite Pop Rock Band, Duo or Group, won the thing. In 07, wins the top Billboard 200 album, wins top artists, top new artists, top comprehensive artists, won a hot 100 artists, and hot adult top 40 artists. Won all of that, nominated for a Grammy four times, and then, you know, some other minor awards out there. So this is not just some record company creation. This is a guy that has some natural ability and some staying power. So let me encourage you, go give them an opportunity, um, you know, to, to, to kind of re 
re-engage with you, maybe fall in love with the Chris Daughtry catalog once again. You'll be glad you did. If nothing else, put on It's Not Over and turn the radio way up and irritate your kids. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Stan to Mammoth, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. Go by and check them out just off of the Mississippi State campus. Many of you have shared, you know, Steve, I'd never shopped there until they started sponsoring the Boneyard. This shows you the power of the yard, right? Go by and see them today. You'll be glad you did. The latest and greatest Mississippi State merch is there. If you can't make it to town, and perhaps uh, you only come to campus during football season, reach out to them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. You're running out of time. Christmas shoppers, mom, dad, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. A lot of issues with the supply chain out there. I'm dealing with it too. So go with the winners. Go with Campus Bookmart. You can shop online. You can save some money. And you can support Starkville. All in one click of the mouse. Go check them out today. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. Let them know that I sent you. Of course, promo code B. SR. Let's talk a little basketball. The Mississippi State men nor women played an intercollegiate basketball game this week because finals week. Graduation day for many of our student athletes, but um, you know, basketball will be back in session tomorrow on the men's side. Bulldogs will be a 1 p.m. tip on ESPNU. If you don't get ESPNU, then watch it on your app. They will take on an outstanding basketball team, Colorado State. Undefeated on the year 9-0. Now, to be fair, they have not played the most difficult of schedules. But they are still 9-0 and scoring a lot of points, making it happen on the offensive end. Let's run it back here for you. They opened the season with a 29-point win over Oral Roberts, then a 20-point win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. They beat Peru State. I didn't know there was a Peru State until this very moment. They beat them 88-62. They take down Bradley 66-60 out in the Virgin Islands. Then they beat Creighton 95-81. They win the whole shooting match with a 10-point victory over Northeastern. Eastern, excuse me. Saturday after Thanksgiving, they take down Northern Colorado and Fort Collins, and then Arkansas Little Rock, 86-55 winners there, and then St. Mary's of California, 74-58. So they enter to, uh, Saturday's matchup with a lot of momentum. We'll play that game in Fort Worth, Texas, part of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. And so we're in, involved in something pretty cool. But this is a team that is certainly capable of beating Mississippi State. Also a team Mississippi State is capable of winning against. And so you win this game, it's a nice little RPI boost or a net boost down the stretch. The guy to watch for them, it's David Roddy. Number 21, David Roddy, playing 29.3 minutes a game, making some things happen, averaging over 20 points, which is pretty rare in college basketball. Ten blocks on the season, also pulling down a uh, ton of rebounds as well, averaging 7.8 boards a game. Not getting a lot of foul trouble either. Pretty good player. Isaiah Stevens, number four, 
Uh, also contributing a good bit on the offensive end, 14.8 points per game. And then uh, John Tanji, that's how you pronounce that, number one for them, a 12.7 per game score. Uh, Dixon Thomas, not necessarily a prolific scorer, but averaging right at uh, 10 points a game. So interesting matchup for us, for sure. And again, a team that's got some positive momentum playing out of the, outside of their own gym for one of the first times this year. Of course, they did go to the Virgin Islands, so neutral court is not uh, necessarily foreign territory for them. So we're going to have to play well. It's as simple as that. We're going to have to play well. This is one of those games that you look at and say, well, kind of overlooked these guys early on, but now it's kind of a sneaky good RPI or net opportunity for Mississippi State. Now the Bulldogs will be back in action and Humphrey Coliseum sooner rather than later. You guys are probably aware of this. We'll be Tuesday night, Georgia State. That's an SEC Network Plus broadcast. So if you want to come see the Bulldogs in person, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to do so here over the next uh, next few weeks. You know, So we got next week is rather interesting. Uh, both games here in Starkville, and then we, during the Christmas break, we'll go down and play in Jackson against Winthrop. So three chances to see the Bulldogs in their home state here in the next uh, 10 days or so. So be sure and uh, be a part of that. Now, one of the things, too, I wanted to share with you guys, too, I have done, I've asked a little bit about the Humphrey Coliseum renovations. Many of you have had questions about that. You've hit me up on Twitter and over on the jeanspage.com message boards. Renovations for a hump continue. They're on schedule. Now, they're going to do things in a couple phases, but the fan amenity stuff will be taken care of within the next year unless something changes. But that's the plan. So they get the fan amenity stuff taken care of. That's a concourse. That's all, anything that you guys can see and touch. That's going to be taken care of in phase one. Phase two will be the player amenities, kind of redoing the locker room and some of their weight room type stuff. That'll be phase two. Uh, of course, with the supply chain being what it is, the cost of materials has skyrocketed. And so as a result, we've had to make some judicious decisions uh, that make sense for us. And so, uh, so again, it'll be a new look Humphrey Coliseum sooner rather than later. I know they have worked extensively during the summer months to kind of work on some of the infrastructure, you know, some of the power type stuff. So that's, again, something to look forward to. Many of you have said, you know, Steve, I'd love to see that. My hope is, and even though attendance has been much better this year, that that'll kind of get people in the habit of coming back to the Humphrey Coliseum. It's like, you know what, we've got this kind of old, dated facility, and the hump is very special to us. It's very nostalgic. We've got some good memories in that building, but it's time to modernize the hump. And so that's going to take place. So looking forward to that. Now, Mississippi State women back in action this weekend as well. The ladies will take on UT Martin at Martin, Tennessee. That's a 2 p.m. tip. That's going to be an ESPN Plus broadcast. So you have to subscribe to ESPN Plus if you're looking to watch that game in person. Of course, you can always listen to the Mississippi State Radio Network. Now, the uh, Lady Skyhawks, a little different deal for them. Three and five on the year. Should be a game Mississippi State can win. They have lost three games in a row. Now, they have played some pretty challenging opponents, however. You know, unlike Colorado State, you know, they've had some success against some, uh, some mid-majors. But the women of middle, excuse me, UT Martin, they lose at Kansas State to open the year. They beat North Carolina A&T. They beat Western Kentucky. 
and then and that's all part of a uh, a three three game tournament up there, the women's NIT preseason classic that took place in Manhattan, Kansas. So they leave there feeling pretty good about themselves, two and one, and they lose to the home state school, the home site school. Then they get blasted by Louisville, number ten Louisville, at Louisville. They beat Illinois State in a barn burner, 54-52. They lose to George Washington down at the San Juan shootout in Puerto Rico. And then they lose to Virginia Tech, 54-49. They lose then to St. Louis, 59-54 at home. And so, of course, they'll be hosting us this weekend at their place. This is a game Mississippi State has to win. Now, looking at their numbers, not exactly sure, you know, I'm no expert on women's basketball. I'll be the first to tell you. But looking at their numbers, Paige Pipkin is kind of like the face of their program. Doing a good job for them, averaging 12.1 points a game. Now, as a team, they're just averaging 46, nearly 47 points a game. So if we get out and play offense like we're capable of playing, this should be a game that State wins. This is absolutely a game you can't drop. You absolutely can't. We hadn't had a whole lot to cheer about in the last uh, couple weeks in basketball but this is a weekend that hey the men beat Colorado State that's a quality win the women beat UT Martin and you're kind of back on track you know you lose that ball game uh you know to Oklahoma and then you lose to Michigan so you've lost two out of the last three both against power five opponents which is not necessarily the best sign getting ready for SEC play now if you're looking to see the ladies in action in person they'll be back in Humphrey Coliseum uh to close out the non-conference slate all three games will be at home. Of course, next Saturday, December 18th, they're playing Troy. And then we'll have Jackson State and South Carolina State coming in. So we'll preview that uh, next week. But a chance, again, to kind of get fat a little bit and kind of pad the resume a little bit against some teams that shouldn't be much of a challenge for Mississippi State. So you look at this and think, okay, you could get to 10 wins before you get into SEC play because they should be able to handle these teams should be able to. And uh, listen, you guys have read with great interest that Jessica Carter, uh, we talked about transparency in the first segment of the show, just kind of sharing some of her struggles. I thought it was very courageous for her to do that. Um, there are a lot of people that are scared to put their, themselves out there to admit some type of weakness or admit some type of struggle because they're afraid to open themselves up for scrutiny and criticism. And so I applaud her for doing that, speaking out about uh, mental health. And I wish her the absolute best with that. And I listen, I continue to hear that she's not expected back. I've heard a couple different things. That's not to say that it's beyond the possibility that they can't you know, find a way to get her back. But here's the more immediate issue is that she clearly has some personal things that she is having to attend to. And so that should be our focus. You know, Selfishly, we want her on the court. But if that's not what's best for her, that's not what's best for her mental health, then she needs to be out there. And the reality of it is it, sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish, and I hate to use that term, but you have to put yourself first. Life is long. And so if it's, you're going to put yourself in a difficult situation that may negatively impact your mental health long term, you need to take a step back. So I commend her again for being courageous. Wish her the absolute best with every bit of that, and uh, hope that she has a speedy recovery and and uh, really never has a recurrence of that. I mean, depression is a real thing. You know, I lost a good friend last year to suicide over some depression-type issues, and uh, it still stays with me. I mean, because you just think to yourself, man, I wish I would have known. And here she is letting people know. Here she is saying, hey, look, this happened to me. And it's not just, hey, look at me. 
It's like, hey, if you're dealing with this too, you're not alone because I've dealt with that. I've done with it. I've, I've absolutely had some experiences with that. And so, again, I think that's one of the things that we have to do to kind of destigmatize some mental health issues is to talk about it, is to be open about it. There's so many people, and I grew up in one of these families in South Mississippi, we just didn't talk about stuff like that. We didn't do it. You just kind of toughed your way through it. You didn't talk about it. You didn't really even talk about it as a family. You just kind of dealt with it on your own. And, and um, you know, maybe perhaps you know the window is open for us to be a little more open about that sort of stuff. And so, again, Jessica uh, Carter uh, being very honest and transparent. And, um, again, th- there are a lot of layers to all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like you say, well, you know, she's not playing. There's this stuff. And, you know, and we had kind of mentioned there's some off-the-field or off-the-court stuff that she's dealing with. We didn't know that this was part of that. You know, and so, again, you just hope that whatever she's dealing with that she can put behind her and, and, uh, and be whole and, and get back to doing the things that she loves. Because I, I'm one of those kind of people, and maybe I'm in the minority, even sometimes people leave, you know, under auspicious circumstances or whatever, I'm always appreciative of everybody's contributions to Mississippi State. You know what I'm saying? It's like even, even if things didn't work out the way we hoped, I appreciate people choosing Mississippi State, wearing the maroon and white, and going out there and trying to advance our athletics interest. And I hope their educational needs are met at the same time. And so even if they leave prematurely, you know, people say, well, what about this guy, that guy? Listen, while they were here, they were true maroon. And so that's something that I don't forget. And, of course, there are some people that feel like, oh, well, this person left. They betrayed us. They're a traitor, you know. I get that aspect of it, too, because I want what's best for Mississippi State. We want talented individuals to be here and, again, kind of advance Mississippi State's athletic efforts. But there is a bigger issue at times. We get kind of acutely aware of what's going on here and didn't always understand that these are people. They're not just, you know, video game figures that are out there playing for our entertainment. There are people that have some personal things they have to attend to. And so, uh, again, very appreciative of everybody that has ever worn a maroon and white, ever. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Our friends at Portico, I've shared with you guys before. If I was moving to Starville, that's where I would leave, move. And, and you could have been my neighbor, right? Brooks Bryan, part of a great group. It's brought this great residential development here to Starkville. 1.1 miles from campus. Very easy to get to. You turn off of 82 on a 12, the very first right. It's Pat Station Road. That takes you to Portico. It's a really cool little place. Got that great walking trail out there. It's exciting. You can get out there and have a good time, go to the ball game and go home, walk off all those calories, right? All, the, all your tailgating stuff can be right there. Maybe it's a second home for you. Maybe it's your primary residence. Either way, your needs can be met at Portico. Phase one, completely sold out. Now we're working to phase two, but a handful of those lots that have been sold, house plans picked out. You can do that too. You can get your choice of house plans and your lot right now. So rather than kind of like having to buy a house that's maybe 90% the way you want it, you can have a say in it and probably get it closer to 100% the way you want it. That's always a cool thing, right? So before the builders even pick up the claw hammers and go to work, I guess everybody's using nail guns these days, but you know my point, is you can have a say in all that stuff. So give our friend Brooks Bryan a diamond dog. I don't believe they're a former diamond dog. Sometimes I may say that. That's like a lifelong designation, right? Don't you agree? You're always a bulldog, always. And so Brooks Bryan... A guy that's committed to Mississippi State, a guy that's committed to Starkville, he's not going to flip, ever. 
Every time I go to a Mississippi State sporting event, it's like he's there. And he's got that same little smile on his face, like he's always so glad to see me. And I used to think it was because he really liked me, and that's just kind of how he is. He's always kind of got that smile on his face. But 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. If you got questions and maybe you couldn't write the number down or you did, maybe you didn't figure out how to rewind it, hit me up. I'm happy to provide the number for you. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's take an inventory of the Mississippi State class. This is uh, one of the last times that we're going to be together before National Signing Day. So let's kind of take a look at where we are. Right now, we're ranked 28th in the country with 16 verbal commitments. 16. To kind of break that down for you, that's 10th in the SEC. We've got eight players from the state of Mississippi, two from Georgia, two from Louisiana, two from Texas, one from Alabama, one from Tennessee. That's one quarterback, four receivers, three offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, two defensive backs, and um, that's kind of where we are. And you get a couple of athletes who are kind of fitting where they get in. So what's next? Well, we're probably going to be right at 25 when it's all said and done, give or take a few, depending on transfers. I still expect us to sign north of 25, probably somewhere between 25 and 30. If I had to set it today, I'd say 27. If I had to pick today, 27, maybe 28, maybe. Could be more depending on other people leave, right? I mean, Martin Emerson declared for the draft today. We expect Charles Cross to do the same. So those are two guys that are on your scholarship roles that won't be there next year. And, and who knows? A possibility they may not play in a bowl game. But the reality of it is, is this is more about signing day. So who do we add? Well, it's funny you ask. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the guys. I mentioned earlier Percy Lewis that is probably the most important offensive line prospect remaining on the board. I feel good about it. I felt great about it about 10 days ago. I feel good about it. I didn't even feel bad about it when he visited Ole Miss last weekend. Now, here's the thing. When you go on these visits, and of course at Ole Miss, it's probably ramped up a little bit more than perhaps it is other places. Um, But you're going to have a great time. That's just the reality of life. I've never interviewed a player that had a bad experience on an official visit. Now, sometimes there's travel concerns, right? But as far as that when they get on on campus, it's a blast. It's an absolute blessing. Why wouldn't it be? It's like sometimes we forget what it's like to be young. I mean, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you've always aspired to hang out with college kids, right? Well, who are the best college kids to hang out with? Well, it's the student athletes, right? They're the the big men on campus. They're the popular people around campus. They know where all the best parties are. They have the coolest friends. They hang out with the prettiest girls. I mean, that's just kind of how life works, right? And so you get on campus, you know, and maybe you're from small town Mississippi. Maybe you're from some rural community in Texas or whatever. And all of a sudden you get here, and our great student body is out there having a great time blowing off steam after finals. I'm sure the Cotton District will be absolutely packed all weekend long. There'll be some people that may have gone back, but I, I suspect everybody will hang out for a couple days before they rush back home. Uh, got a lot of our, our college students. I know some even within my own family, it's like Christmas break is too long. They don't want to go to class, but they don't want to be away from their friends. So they'll hang out a little bit. And so you know, when these guys take visits, I mean, it's like, hey, you get here and all of a sudden everybody is treating you special. You go to the hotel, they've got like a gift bag in there. They've got, you know, in some schools, obviously you have more gifts in there than others. But I digress. 
but you know your name is on stuff like one of the things they did and i'm sure they still do it now because um andrea is still around been here six years but uh you know she was a student worker before that but you know they would kind of find out through mom or whoever you know what the favorite snacks were for players and they'd get them for them so like they get here and it's like this welcome basket and you've got like all your favorite snacks and drinks or whatever and so you check into the hotel and next thing you know you report to dinner you're riding around campus coaches taking you around i think last weekend on friday they went to the little dewey had dinner there and then Saturday is like the big – well, Friday night's fun too, right, because you go out with your host. You get to go see what the players do, you know, when they're kind of blowing off some steam. They go to parties and things like that. They have a good time. You know, on Saturday you get up and you go to breakfast and then you have uh, – you know, you meet with your coaches and then you go out and you tour the campus and you meet with academic advisors and you see the dorms. You go get your picture made. You go to the little shoebox thing, get all that stuff done, go to the stadium – have dinner at the stadium Saturday night at Davis Wade, big catered meal, have a great time. And then the parents are all kind of together. The parents are together. They have an opportunity to kind of discuss, you know, Mississippi State. And of course, you've got some parents of kids that are already committed to Mississippi State, and they're, they're working to help Mississippi State recruit, right? You're recruiting other parents. And then the players, again, go out with the recruits, go out with their host. And it's another party-type atmosphere. You get up Sunday, you go to breakfast, and then everybody goes out to Mike Leach's house. And you meet with Coach Leach, and he sits there and tells you how much they want you to be a bulldog, and they talk about a future in maroon and white, and then you go home. But I've had many of these young people tell me some of the funnest times they've had in their lives during these official visits. Now, it changes once you get into college. I mean, your point of reference changes. When, when I can go out and have a good time every weekend, that official visit is still great, but it's not as great. But when you're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, your eyes are really open to a world that you always dreamed of. And so when guys take visits to other schools, that's just kind of the reality of it. Everybody has a good time. There are pretty girls on every campus. There are great stakes in every state of the union. There are great photo op type situations on every college campus. Every college football coach is a celebrity of sorts. And so now all of a sudden, you got a guy like Mike Leach who is arguably the most interesting coach in college football, if not all of, college, of all of football. And now you're sitting at his house across from the desk from him, and, and he's focused solely on you. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It is. So that's kind of what they'll do. And then the quiet period begins on Sunday. So what does that mean, Steve? Well, quiet period means there's no face-to-face contact other than your official visitors. So used to back in the day, this last official visit weekend, like – Kids would get home on Sunday, and there'd be other coaches waiting on them. They'd want to have an in-home visit to kind of undo anything that got done in the official visit. We did it too. But now there's a quiet period. So the only face-to-face contact of the people that wake up in your city that are already part of your official visit weekend, then they leave. Then there's a dead period Monday that begins on Monday, that runs December 13th to January 13th, which is no face-to-face contact on or off campus. Now, kids can come to campus and look around, but can have no interaction with the staff. And there's, what is, I think, three weekends in January they'll be able to visit. You need to put most of the hay in the barn here in December. And that's what Mississippi State will attempt to do. So we mentioned um, Jackson LaHue. 
He visited last weekend. Then I'm going to run down some other names that I think will end up being a part of this class. Jackson LaHue, your, your newest Mississippi State commitment. And it uh, looks like that um, he is a guy, too, that if you have seen the pictures of he and his dad, it, you wonder if his dad has some eligibility left. What's interesting, too, is um, two years in a row that Coach Mason Miller has taken a commitment from Virginia Tech. That's one of the things you, know, you read a lot because, like, people, people get invested in their narrative and they forget about the facts. Steve, do we ever flip anybody else? Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do flip people. We flipped one from Ole Miss this year. You know, last year we, you know, we flipped um, Albert Reese. We flipped Cannon Boone. And, again, that's back-to-back years that we've taken a commitment from Virginia Tech late. Now, you say, well, what's the connection with Texas? Well, there's a former high school Texas coach that um, was on staff at Virginia Tech as an off-the-field recruiter. They have some connections there. And so we have some connections in Texas due to Mike Leach's time out there. And, of course, uh, you know, Mason Miller and others have some relationships out there. And so, again, Virginia Tech last year was rumored to be making a coaching change, and basically we creatively and correctly recruited Ken and Boone to realize, you know what, if Wente isn't fired this year, he'll be fired next year. So you're going to be all the way out there that far away from home with a brand-new staff. You don't know if you're going to fit the scheme. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to go with the sure thing. I'm going to go with Mike Leach. And he's here, redshirted this year. We'll challenge for your starting center spot next year, provided that um, LaQuinson Sharp doesn't come back. Of course, that's still an issue that's uh, still being discussed. But you go get Jackson LaHue this year. And this time you didn't have to say, hey, Fuente may not be here next year. You know he's not here next year. So running down the offer list here, and uh, a very intelligent guy. So he's got a ton of Ivy League offers. Of course, he commits to Mississippi State over Virginia Tech. He has Columbia, Dartmouth, Harvard, Houston Baptist, Lamar, New Mexico, Penn, Virginia, Yale, and some interest from a couple Texas schools down there. Now, Texas Longhorns were kind of flirting with him a little bit. And it was like, hey, they may call you Thursday and say, come in this weekend for a visit, man. And basically, Jackson LeHue didn't want to be anybody's plan B. He's like, you know what? I don't want to go hold, be a tackling dummy for somebody. I want to go where I'm wanted. He was wanted at Mississippi State. And I want to give Mason Miller a lot of credit here because of the fact as soon as this situation unfolded in Blacksburg, as soon as it was announced that Fuente is gone, all of a sudden you got Jackson LaHue tweeting out an offer from Mississippi State. I mean, it was almost immediate. I think maybe he sent the offer out like the next day. But it was like, hey, let's go poach a commitment from a staff that's on the way out. And for the second consecutive year, that happened. Jackson LaHue, 6'5", 285 pounds out of Azel, Texas. And I maybe pronounced that incorrectly. So if you are, if you live in Aisley, Texas, maybe, that's probably right, Aisley. If you live there, I apologize. But uh, you can go check him out. This is a good value pick for Mississippi State. There's absolutely no question about that. You should be excited about him. And, again, it's one of those things, too, you look at, you know, offensive line recruiting is such an interesting deal. It is such an interesting situation because, you know, guys develop at different rates, right? I mean, you know, Charles Cross, people forget Charles Cross came in here and we barely played him as a freshman so we could redshirt him because he needed to add some weight. And now here we are two years later, guy's going to be a first-round draft pick. So you go get a guy like this, 
6285. And uh, they say he's closer to 6'6. I think he's probably closer to 6'5, maybe be 6'4 But the reality of it is, is your offensive linemen at Mississippi State are getting bigger and longer. And so you add him into Lucas Taylor, a guy that we flipped from LSU. Oh, we, had we forgotten that? Yeah, we had. And then you got Jackson Cannon, a kid that uh, visited Mississippi State last year and loved it so much and said, you know what, if I get an offer here, that's where I'm going. So you've got those three guys in the boat. We expect to add Trent Ramsey, too, out of Tampa, Florida. Mike Leach in the house this week, and he visited last week. So we feel really good about the direction of that one. That's exciting, too. So that gives you four offensive linemen, and then if you're able to get Percy Lewis, and that is a state Ole Miss battle. And again, as of right now, I feel good, not great about State's chances. Because I never discount Ole Miss's recruiting efforts during the dead period. And I'm sure they love all that boogeyman stuff. They like to have that type of perception, right, that they're going to throw their weight around. But the reality of it is, is this is a guy, too, that, um, you know, is a coveted player. He is a big-time player and a guy that will make either of these teams better next year, or he should. So in the event that that happens, you can get those three to have five offensive linemen, and then maybe if things work out just right, maybe you go get a tackle at the portal. Maybe you go get an experienced guy while some of these younger guys kind of get a stopgap guy. And a lot of people have said, well, we'll see, you know, why aren't we more aggressive? Well, we're trying to get these guys in the boat first. And you can do both, but at the same time, too, there's still going to be value in the portal. There are going to be a lot of guys going to portal after bowl games, including some of your Bulldogs. Not a lot of big ones, but we didn't expect Aaron Brule either. But the bottom line is there still will be some guys that will move on. So we mentioned the linebacker class. You got Jave Gilmore in. You got Khalid Moore in. Both of those guys are studs. I don't care what they're rated. Both of them are like 88 and change. I don't care. These guys are difference makers. These are guys, you get them in your weight room. These are guys that will be, you know, on the front of the media guide someday. And then you get Stone Blanton, and that appears to be Mississippi State and South Carolina now. Again, Ole Miss has not had an in-home visit with him, which is rather interesting. They chased him and chased him and chased him and thought they were going to get him, and all of a sudden it's time to do in-home visits, and they don't. I'd like to know the thinking behind that. I know the spin is, well, we found better options in the portal. Okay, cool. Where are they? Why aren't they visiting this weekend? There's just something about that that just I'm just kind of intrigued by. Shane Beamer was in the house this week with Shane uh, with uh, with Stone Blanton. Mike Leach was there last week, and so I fully expect it to be Mississippi State. I won't be totally shocked if he goes to South Carolina, but I'm not expecting that at all. I'm expecting him to come to Mississippi State. And then you add Avery Sledge from Forest County AHS. Now, all of a sudden, if you go watch film on these guys, you add four backers. And we added some guys last year, too. But you add four high school guys and kind of grow and develop. It kind of reminds me of the class we signed a couple years ago. I guess it's going back four years ago now. We signed Nathaniel Watson, Aaron Brule, and Jed Johnson in the same class. A lot of people wondered, would Jed be a career special teams guy? He's not. He's starting one of your most productive tacklers. Buki Watson was a guy that wanted to play wide receiver. We convert him to a linebacker, one of your most productive tacklers. Aaron Brule had a really good uh, run here at Mississippi State, and he's now headed to Michigan State. But this kind of reminds me of that group. And to be honest with you, I think this group is as athletic as that, as that group, if not a little bit more. And so now you start thinking about Zach Arnett, the groceries that he's putting in the cupboard, you can feel really good about the future of your defense. We talked about wide receivers. Now, we could take a best available – there, you know, let's say if a Marion Walker, Notre Dame commitment out of Ponchatoula, Louisiana, you know, Notre Dame would probably honor the commitment. 
even though Brian Kelly's gone. It doesn't look like LSU is going to react. But would you take him if he wanted to come? I think you do. And you know, Mississippi State, very heavy last year, wide receivers. You actually had six last year. So you got Marquez Dortch now, excited about him, flipped him from Ole Miss. You got Xavier Thomas, a former Louisville uh, commitment. And, again, we're kind of just holding out hope that, um, that LSU didn't offer him. Caden Pope, a guy that you beat 20 or so schools for to get out of Savannah, Tennessee, Hardin County High School. And Janoris Hobson, one of the best receivers in the state of Mississippi. I actually have him number two in Mississippi behind Larry Simmons at uh, Moss Point, who, again, the drama with that one's been over really for a long time. I know we spent some time on the Mississippi State campus, and there was a lot of intrigue, too, about what's going on down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Why was Ole Miss having these guys not visit campus? But uh, So you've got four receivers in now that I think you feel really good about those guys. But if you could get another guy, I think you take him. And I think that's one of the things, too, because those numbers give it and they take it. I think Chris Bell is one that probably says, hey, they already have four receivers committed. They're going to move me to linebacker. I don't play linebacker. I think he could play either one. I think he could play a tight end. And probably in Louisville's scheme, maybe he's a flex tight end. But the reality of it is, is when you got four receivers committed, it's hard to get another one. But then you roll out there and show how often we rotate at receiver and how many catches are kind of spread throughout uh, the depth chart, and you can feel really good about that. But you could add another receiver. Now, as I mentioned – I do think we take another running back. I think Dakota Jordan will basically wait and sign a national letter of intent later. So don't expect Dakota Jordan to sign with Mississippi State next week. But don't panic if he doesn't. I think you just simply wait it out because you don't want to have him sign and then not take advantage of that scholarship and you could have used it somewhere else. It's not in any way a reflection of him as a football player. It's just the situation is, hey, we're going to sign you, but let's wait and see what happens with baseball. So I do not expect him to sign next week. And there's maybe one other one that doesn't sign too. But we'll, you know, we'll get to that next week. When we get into the Monday show, I'll kind of let you guys know what I know. I'll do some checking on that, and we'll, uh, we'll firm that up. But Dakota, not expecting him to sign. Now, defensive backs, this is a bit of a moving target, right? And it's the second straight year. And so I get the frustration. I'm kind of sharing it too because it's like, hey, we go out and commit these guys early and then we drop them later, and it's like we're not really replacing them with comparable or better players. I could understand if better players came along, and even that's not really honorable. But at the end of the day, you know, you guys are paid to go win football games, and so you got to get the best players you can get. So I, I share that with you just because I, I get it. I don't know that I would have dropped Tyler Woodard. That's just my personal experience. I don't know that I would have dropped him. I really like him as a player. Uh, he was banged up when he came to camp, and I think that maybe lingered over a little bit. But when we look at defensive back recruiting right now, um, you know, you got a couple guys here. You got Wesley Miller, of course, the safety prospect, and then Audavian Collins, uh, who'll be here this weekend out of Covington, Georgia. We worried a little bit early on that uh, some other schools might jump in the mix there, and we're, and we're good there. We're, we're solvent with him. And so, but you got to go find some other guys. And so, you know, what does that mean? Well, you got DeCarlos Nicholson coming in. You got to get him. You got to get him. You got some other guys you're talking to. You need to find a way to get him. You know, Kamari Rogers, uh, you know, all of his social media as of late suggests Miami, Florida. He is expected to take another official visit down there. And if you're unfamiliar with this, this new policy, if there is a coaching change, let's say you let's say you take one of your official visits and then they change coaches, the NCAA will allow you to go back. Now, it's going to be a whirlwind visit for Kamari Rogers and his dad 
because they got the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game on Saturday. Now, Kamari's not playing as he rehabs from an ACL. But they're going to leave from there and go down to Miami. And then the dead period starts Sunday at midnight. So it's basically you fly down, you spend the night, you meet with those guys, and you come back. So that's a lot of, of airtime for a very short visit. And people said, well, Steve, what do you think that means? Listen, I have said all, I'm the first one that crossed the ball into Miami because I knew that he was enamored with all that. Manning, those guys did a great job with him early on. He played with the bootleggers, a lot of those guys – signing blue blood type programs. And I think there's some positive peer pressure for Miami in that respect too. Now, when all this stuff happened with the ACL, I'm told Mississippi State was very, very supportive of the family and of Kamari and let him know, hey, your situation with us hasn't changed. That meant a lot to the family. And so there was some discussions too that if Manny got fired, that they would not pursue signing with Miami. So it's still up in the air. I, I told everybody last week after the visit, we still had some work to do. Even though some of the kids were telling me Kamari had a lot of positive things to say, I, I don't even think this is decided one way or another. I don't think we'll know. I don't even think we'll have a good idea what he's going to do until probably the night before signing day, and it still may go into signing day. All right, defensive line recruiting, that was a real challenge last year, but it ended up go, working out really well for Mississippi State. I suspect it will this year too. Uh, look at defensive line. You've only got a couple guys committed right now. Only going to take four. You got Don Terry Russell and R.J. Moss. R.J. Moss, of course, is a guy that we expect to slide in and play the tackle uh, on the next level. And then Don Terry, more of an edge rusher. And so you're chasing some other guys out here, you know, for sure. I think there's any question about it. You know, uh, Dinkins is a kid from Lake High School. It's visiting this weekend. Felt like he would probably go ahead and commit this weekend. May not happen now. He might decide to wait and sign in February, or he may feel like, you know what, this is the SEC. It's close to home. Let's go ahead and make a move. Some names out there, for sure. And you probably need to get an edge rusher out of the portal. Probably need to do that. Jordan Davis will be back next year, but do we know at what level? Not that I've heard anything, but it's difficult to come back from an ACL tear. Not to mention, that happened in fall camp. You know, it didn't happen back in the spring. It happened in fall camp. And so that's pretty much, you know, a, a year-long recovery process. And he is a very, very, very serious weight guy, so I'm sure he'll attack his, his rehab. But, um, you know, you might want to go get an edge rusher out of the portal uh, to be on the safe side. I think that's probably something uh, that we need to do. So uh, going to scholarship a kicker from somewhere, too. Got to find one out of the portal, as you guys know. I mean, you don't need me. There's no expert analysis required to know that Mississippi State had a lot of kicking trouble last year. Uh, Brandon uh, Ruiz got injured and uh, is not expected back. Nolan McCord, of guy, was kind of thrown out there before he was probably ready and, and performed pretty well early on. And he had a couple of misses, and I think he kind of got the yips a little bit after that. But, uh, you know, what's, what's going to happen next year after he has again the benefit of spring practice and a, a competition you know i just want the i just want to make kicks i don't care who's doing it right i mean we could try an offensive lineman out there if he could knock it through the uprights it doesn't make any difference to me i know you guys feel the same way it's not the boy scout just the sec but the reality of it is is this is this has a chance to be a really good class for mississippi state uh, i don't know that it would be a great class without a couple of guys, right? I mean, Trevion Williams is a guy that uh, I think will be that other defensive line prospect. Discussion earlier this week that he may visit Ole Miss after the All-Star game. As of today, we're not expecting that. 
But you never rule it out, right? I mean, just like we didn't think Jaheim Otis would go to Oxford last week, and he did. So we'll see how things progress. But I think Trevion Williams is ultimately a bulldog. And if I had to call it right now, I think, you know, obviously you add Trent Ramsey. I think you feel really good about that. We just added Jackson LeHue. I think you get Percy Lewis. And I, I hate to even be this optimistic, but as of now, I think you get to Carlos Nicholson. But he is all over the place. I don't think we'll know until NAFL signing day with him. And then, of course, Trevion Williams. Uh, add Stone Blanton to the mix, and all of a sudden you start adding some four-star here. And, and you, I think you can solidly be in the top 25 if the cards fell just right, maybe right around 20. But you start stacking top 25 classes, and, you know, I, th- I think you, you start taking the next step forward. And here's the thing, too, that I think I want people to fully appreciate. Is, you know, we have to deal with a lot of nonsense recruiting in-state because th- there's another school in the state that recruits differently than we do. And I know some of you are very angry about that and you want to fight fire with fire. But here's what I'd see, I say you do. is obviously you got to take care of your home state, state stuff first. You have to. But I think as Mike Leach and the air raid continue to thrive at Mississippi State, I think you're going to see premium skill position players at quarterback and wide receiver continue to give Mississippi State an opportunity. I think that's where we're headed. And so then all of a sudden you don't have to deal with all this other stuff quite as much. And you expand the recruiting footprint a little bit. I'm not saying you abandon Mississippi at all. But what I would, you know, when you've got guys out there that you think that perhaps there is something that's happened that is unscrupulous, you know, before you were kind of locked in to like Mississippi and the border states. And like if you didn't have guys within your footprint, that could fill your needs, you were kind of stuck. You had to go take a guy, maybe reach and hope he developed. I don't think you got to do that with Leach, especially at the offensive skill side. It's always going to be a challenge with offensive linemen and defensive linemen because we don't always produce a ton of those guys on the O-line. You would think a state with the obesity level that we have that we would be able to produce offensive linemen with greater regularity doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't. But the reality of it is it's going to be a good class. And it's going to be a very eventful few days. It always is. The last 12, two weeks of recruiting are not for the faint of heart. There are a lot of casual fans of recruiting that kind of get engaged late and they don't understand the grind of it. And as I share with you guys on Monday, I think some of you are, about, are out of practice. You don't realize that we're, we're used to this, that we didn't know that Leo Lewis was going to be a Bulldog until National Signing Day, that we didn't know for sure Jeff Simmons until National Signing Day. So we'll go into Wednesday, you're kind of holding our breath a little bit. You know, I think we'll have a pretty good idea, but what we have learned the hard way is you can never take anything for granted on National Signing Day. You simply can't. And I have said many times that any surprises on National Signing Day are usually a negative for Mississippi State. Now, that's not to say that we won't go in there and have some positive momentum because I think you're probably going to have five or six commitments on National Signing Day. I think they'll commit to Mississippi State this weekend or early next week, and just make the formal announcement on Wednesday. So you may not be aware of it. We may not be aware of it, but your coaching staff will be. I don't think there will be a lot of anxiety except maybe one or two players as we get into Wednesday. I think that's interesting. And I think, again, you guys will be like, oh, my gosh, this we got so much invested in these five or six kids, and I think we'll get most of them, and I think we'll feel good about the class. But um, And, again, that's one thing, too. I, I was against the early signing period because I didn't see enough wrong with the current system but I do like the fact that you get a second bite of the apple. So if you don't get everybody you need in December, you still have a chance to get somebody in January, perhaps, and maybe they're not a comparable player. But you do get somebody that perhaps can come in and fill a need for you 
And with the transfer portal, it's kind of a game changer too. I know a lot of schools are going to invest you know, double-digit scholarship opportunities for the transfer portal, just like Michigan State did this year. That's enough for today. Back on Monday, I will be earlier recording the show on Monday, and we'll look forward to talking to you guys then. Uh, and if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You can still order books at DogPileTheBook.com. You can sign personalized copies of everything by Dogpile. Uh, that's I'm telling you, it's you know we're 14 days out now. It, it, it's just no, nobody wants to tell me for sure of an actual delivery date. I'm not expecting it. Okay. So we'll, we'll expect it in January, and I will get that firmed up. I, when, once my publisher is back in town, uh, I will get that firmed up, and we will get you guys an actual delivery date. But I, I, I would say it's safe to say now it's going to be January. So if you bought it for somebody for Christmas, uh, I'm told the publisher is going to email something out, kind of like an IOU or whatever that you can put under the tree. And uh, I did my part. I can promise you that. It has been very frustrating for me because everybody messages me, and, and you feel free to do it. I'm happy to do it because it's my name on the book. Uh, but this is one of those things that's kind of beyond my control, and you guys have been great about understanding. And, again, it, it is a fabulous book, if I do say so myself. It was one of the funnest things I've ever worked on. Uh, so you can look for that. But if you need something else to put on the tree, you can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs at dogpilethebook.com. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it just about anywhere. Uh, it won't be signed unless you buy it through Book Martin Cafe. But I've had people that have sent me pictures as of late that they've picked it up, and I appreciate that more than you know. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you on Monday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.